we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Power Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello and welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast and this is the Be More You season and this season has been all about showing that you do not need to change yourself to reach your definition of success and so we've been encouraging everyone to be their authentic self and still reach and in fact smash those goals and tonight not only is it the Northern Power Women Awards today but actually it's my next guest birthday which I'm delighted, <laughs> I'm delighted that someone will come on on our lovely Northern Power Women podcast on their, on their birthday. So welcome, Nicola. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm really excited about my birthday this year because I'm one of those awful March birthdays that has had the raw deal from COVID. So I've had my two birthdays, including my 40th, actually, in lockdown. And then last year, when we were finally out of lockdown, I got COVID. So I had to cancel all my birthday plans. So this year, I'm really hoping that my husband has pulled out all the stops because I've got high expectations, let me tell you. Well, listen, if you're, if you're, you're listening, Mr. B, then please do quickly. <laughs> get that sorted right now and and obviously you'll have the live stream on your phone somewhere just to check out all of the fantastic role models from our seventh Northern Power Women Awards so please do join in the conversation while you're at it hashtag MPW Awards hashtag we are power hashtag happy birthday Nicola <laughs> fantastic and I will absolutely yeah don't worry I will be checking in to see how some of our EY colleagues um, are getting on on that list so definitely I'm delighted to, to welcome you today you're the partner and lead for public services consulting in the North um, at EY, who are, of course, our headline partners for the Northern Power Women Awards for the third year in a row. So, um, you know, let's get into the questions. We had a conversation a few weeks ago and it was always, it's always fascinating to find out, you know, nobody has um, one straight line story or one straight line career trajectory. And, and, you know, it always amazes me how people think, oh, I'm not sure I really got much to say. And I'm like, hell yes. So, so you, so you are a partner at one of the biggest accounting firms in the world. But, you know, like we said, you your your trajectory, your route wasn't quite the traditional one, was it? And it feels like quite a pivot that you had in your journey. Tell us about it. I have to say, by just even hearing you do that intro is like the classic imposter syndrome, which I know I've listened to some of your other podcasts is like a really common thing. But wow, when I hear that, I think... Um, yeah, <laughs> surreal. Um, aside from recording this po- podcast in the first place, which sounds a bit surreal, feels a bit surreal. But yeah, I guess if you think about it from a traditional point of view, um, it wasn't a typical start to an EY career, or at least by our traditional sense anyway. So um, my career actually started in uh, local government. So I worked uh, within local councils for about nine years before I joined EY um, as a management trainee as part of the scheme 
scheme, very similar to what they do in the NHS and the civil service, moved around services and departments. Um, so got a ton of exposure to all of the things uh, that local government gets involved in. And both as a as a grad, but also in the roles I went on to afterwards, I always gravitated towards project type roles. So I feel like within that nine years, I just got a ton of varied experience um, across all of the different services and departments. And I guess that's why I gravitated towards a career in consulting, because the very nature of what we do means that you get involved in lots of different clients, solving lots of different problems, working on very different projects. And and probably from an EY perspective, that was why I was a, an attractive proposition, because I came with all of that different um, experience and perspective. And just having been on the other side from a client point of view could definitely relate to some of the uh, challenges and issues that they face. Um, so yeah, it wasn't the typical routine and I'm not an accountant either. So whenever anybody um, I meet says, oh, who do you work for? I work for EY. Oh, you're an accountant. I said, no, I'm not an accountant, um, but I do work for EY. So yeah, I guess it was a, a, a slightly non-conformative route into and when you were making that sort of big sort of career move, um, were you nervous to do that? Were you nervous, you know, you think, right, I'm, I'm, I like being here. There's something with this local authority or local government route that makes me feel as though I'm doing good and I can make change. Were you nervous or did it just feel like the right thing to do? Um, I was nervous. Yeah, definitely. Because it was a big change. But I think a little bit of nerves is always a good thing. And I think because I had worked with a number of because I'd always worked in that project capacity over my local government career, there was lots of examples of where I worked with external advisors um, on different pieces of work. So I kind of had an idea of what they did. And I think probably what made the move less scary were the people. And I think, you know, and I, I, would, I can say this now, having been on both sides for a number of years, is ultimately people are people. And I think if as long as you are focused on the same aim, then actually it doesn't really matter which side of the fence you're on. And I think the extent to which I can make that change or that impact that you described in many ways is greater as an external because you don't have the same restrictions that you have when you're working within an organization so I mean there's pros and cons on on either side but I definitely didn't feel like I was having a complete pivot in terms of the work I was doing and the kind of people I was working with I was just changing who I was working for yeah we talk about the big four and I think those who, those who know know <laughs> you know what 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 is a big four you know and and, and 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 actually people will assume like you say you're in auditing or tax or they you don't realize the many levels or like you know of of layers of different roles and opportunities that there are in there. I know when we do our power up mentoring, which I know you've you've been part of, or I dragged you into, I think, when we did the convention in the North. That was one of the conversations that we had. We did, I didn't I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what this and then you suddenly pull back and you're like, I didn't know that was for me. And I think that's the that's that that culture of, you know, so many opportunities within the, these big organizations, aren't they, within the big four? Yeah, totally. And it still amuses me to this day. And in fact we had um, a partner event recently and we had some of our 
some of our more junior colleagues who came and did a panel for us and and they got to ask us questions and then at the end we got the opportunity to ask them questions about their experience of joining EY and the first question one of um, my partner colleagues asked was what do you tell people you do when you meet them in the pub because it is just it's still the same now and so many people I meet if it's a mum on the school gate say what do you do and you try and explain and immediately say the name and they say oh you're you're an accountant or you're in audit. I think there is a real, unless you're part of that world or you've had experience of it, you wouldn't necessarily know the full breadth of what we do. But I think in my case, in consulting, it's all about working with clients. And again, in my case, the public sector clients to deliver big, complex projects and and solve complex problems is is kind of how I um, would describe what we do. And have you seen this culture change over the years? Because, you know, I look now, I think, um, you know, you see organisations like EY, big organisations involved in things that, again, you might not expect them to be involved with, you know, uh, and I, you're like, oh gosh, why? Gosh, there's a real conversation to be had. Stephen Church, and manager, talking about, you know, net zero, carbon neutral, you know, and you just think, oh, I didn't see that. Or actually, uh, there's a real passion here around neurodiversity with the, the, the first centre outside of the the states being in Manchester, so it's 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 interesting, isn't it? Is to to see that has changed and sort of where the reach is, is out there. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and I think even more so um, within local public services because I think certainly when I joined, um, a lot of our focus was working with big uh, central government departments on those large programs, and may and you know that our local public services team was much smaller in comparison, and there's been a real rebalancing of that over the twelve years that I've been with EY and some of the examples there that that you were referencing again our expertise um, has really grown both in terms of what we've developed ourselves but also our um, our partners and associates that we've built up over time so we can get involved in some some really really interesting stuff I mean the whole sustainability agenda is just huge and you know we've kind of talked with clients and internally recently about you know is is this new or is this just the latest wave of transformation and I think there's you know it's a longer conversation to have but certainly I think where EY can act as a convener or almost like an orchestrator of those different capabilities within the firm that's when we can really help our clients so that you know they would in in my role in particular having a regional role and, and that's part of that rebalancing, actually, that our government team is not just run out of um, our M- more London offices uh, near Tower Bridge, that actually we are covering the whole of the UK and that as a regional role, I'm I'm closer to local clients in terms of what they're looking for and what they need and can bring the best of EY to them, whatever topic that might be. And again, it might be that I reach into the firm or it might be I reach into our wider network of partners as well. And certainly sustainability is an area that fits that bill in a similar way uh, to technology where we've really expanded our presence recent years. Yeah because I saw it was only a couple of weeks ago for International Women's Day that there's a new sort of tech app isn't it to get more more women into, into STEM and stuff which is absolutely amazing so again it's it's sort of present in the places that you don't expect isn't it so EY expect the unexpected maybe that's your new tagline I'm going to get on to um, Rebecca and Brandon. I'll have a word with Stephen. <laughs> but, and you are you talked about the regions you're a passionate northern You've always worked in and across um, the North and Greater Manchester. How has the North changed over the last 
a couple of decades. What do you think the rest of the country's view of the North is? I think there are real nuances within the North region for sure. And yet I have both pre and with EY always worked within the North region and um, majority of that time within Greater Manchester. And I would say within the Greater Manchester area, there's been a real evolution um, of how local public services are both delivered and governed within that period. And I think you can see how that is being replicated in a way that fits those areas in other in other subregions within the north. But just the profile and the credibility, I think, has increased massively. I mean, you mentioned the Conference of the North, which took place in January. And, and I know that um, Andy Burnham described this himself at the conference, but actually I think it was authentic that it felt very different. I've been to a number of those events over the years. But, you know, the fact that we had two government ministers there, which in the past, uh, we just haven't had that presence. The attendance was fantastic. I mean, it was huge um, at Manchester Central, wasn't it? There were so many people there. And even the coverage it got in the press was far greater than I've seen at other events. So, yeah, I'd say um, there's definitely something around the North, you know, the extent to which the North is either under the governance of a combined authority or other form of devolved government is just increasing all the time now. And then within Greater Manchester itself, uh, the decision making and budgets that have been devolved to a local area, uh, a local level, and how those are being used to really move things forward is, yeah, it's fantastic to see. And it's and even better to be involved. It's good to see, it's good to have the positive conversations. And I totally agree and echo, you know, sort of the vibe at that convention, the North did definitely have that as opposed to sometimes it could be, oh, but actually, it was great. You know, there was a real sense of optimism, I think. Really optimistic, I would say. I would agree with that word. So let's talk about you. You were made a partner just before you went on maternity leave. And you have uh, an 18-month-year-old, a seven and a five-year-old, if I remember correctly. Very well remembered. Yeah, <laughs> I can remind my husband. <laughs> well, well, he won't need to because he will have pulled out all the stops for the birthday. Ah, just, just putting it in there as well. So, <laughs> uh, so how do you continue to develop and build the career that works for you? Because I think that was a, a phrase I remember when we had our pre-chat, which was to talk about creating something that works for you. There's no one size sort of fits all to, to nailing uh, maternity leave and cover and progression. Yeah, definitely. And I wouldn't say that I've got it nailed either. I think everybody's just trying to to kind of find their path, find their way. But I have been lucky in that I've had two promotions either during maternity leave or just before maternity leave. So I feel like, um, you know, my career at EY has been um, hugely positive from that perspective of trying to build a career at the same time as building a family. So, yeah, I, th- I think it- I've definitely had the freedom and the support and and more than that, the encouragement and the sponsorship um, to make it happen from a work perspective. And at home, similarly, really having that support to, to make it happen and to be able to juggle family life um, now that I'm back at work um, with three little ones. And yeah, I think I always say it, some weeks it it works really well and you feel like you're winning and other weeks it's a total car crash. But you you keep going and I, and I hope and, and whether I like it or not, you know, I, I am a role model within the firm for a female partner who who is juggling that career and family life that it does give others the the idea, the exposure that you can do it 
in your own way just by just by being visible. And how did COVID change the way that you approach work as as a parent? Oh, massively. So we had so my third baby is um we we just had the two older ones during covid but we fell into that bracket of both working while having two preschoolers at home all the time so i kind of wince a little bit when i look back at that time and think how did how did we get through that but then at the same time i also look back at it and and sometimes i wish we were still in that phase and just kind of cuz life externally outside of um the home just slowed down and you know that diary that normally is jam-packed was suddenly free and you um you just had that time and I guess that's probably something that we well you try to to continue post-covid just in the sense of carving out that family time and I think it also we both work at home a lot more than we used to and that makes the juggle possible um in many ways especially now we've got two at school and do you think that you know you talk about do you think because many companies are switched on to this power of flexible working because they know there's been there's been so many mixed kind of messages out there you know you must come back into the work no we're not changing actually we've proved it can work we're going to stay do you think companies are are sort of leveraging that power flexible flexible working as much as they could be I I think on the whole yeah or certainly the more mature perhaps um, advanced established organizations are definitely seeing the benefits I mean the research is out there so I think again it's there's no one size fits all and I think um, employers need to look at their own employees and I think the biggest thing we did um, at EY is to have a conversation with our employees because it's very different depending on what your situation is you know for me the working at home has been a bit of a godsend as far as you know fitting in with school pickups and drop-offs that kind of thing but for some of our more junior colleagues who who may be valued coming into the office as an opportunity to socialize with colleagues and peers it was really quite challenging to work from home and I think when you're trying to build a network um, at work with peers and colleagues and doing so from you know your bedroom at home has its limitations um, and so actually I think the key thing is to be able to provide for that full spectrum of need and like I say we definitely have not made any you know we have a hybrid um policy whereby you know the expectation is that you will have a mix of at home um, and in the office uh, working days but you know we're all grown-ups and you determine how you manage your own working week as long as you are delivering on your clients expectations and your your own personal um, objectives as well. And you mentioned networking in there and you know sort of that can almost be seen if you are sort of more working at home you don't have that network but one of the things that you've said is that actually you've had you've had and built that network as much at the school gates as at work can you talk to us about that I suppose what I meant by that is that I I am afforded a huge amount of flexibility and so is my husband as well and that's how we can we are able to make this thing work or mostly work but the conversations you have with other parents who are in the same situation is that not everyone is afforded that same freedom and flexibility which is it's quite disheartening, actually, in many cases, because I think it 
prohibits so many people from progressing their careers in a way that they want to because well I'm not sure that I can work from home and actually unless I'm able to work from home I can't really make it work full stop or I want to be able to work three days and not five days because that fits in with whatever um Respond, it doesn't have to be parenting responsibilities, but that's my frame of reference in terms of my at at my stage of life. And again, if you're not if if if, it, if there's a kind of you know negative response to that, then it turns potentially amazing talent away from your organisation. And yeah, that's when you when you chat to people, and there's lots of examples of others who were who were able to make it work as well. And it's becoming so commonplace, isn't it, for people to have that flexibility, either in terms of when they work or where they work. But unfortunately, it's not universal. It's not, and I think this is where I think this is where the role modelling comes in. And I think you being that partner role model with your your three small ones, you know, sort of as you sort of fire on and power up your partner, you know, your partner sort of career as well it's you know it's really important to have that visibility of uh, amazing humans like you Nicola thank you so much for joining me I think we've covered so much ground we've gone from tra- transformation to troubleshooting to uh, convention of the north to the north you know and, and cross sector we've been we've been everywhere today on today's podcast Nicola thank you so much a massive massive many happy returns to you as well um, and don't forget as well don't forget to check in on the awards I will can't wait to see all the pictures oh, high five is some of those amazing role models thank you so much Nicola for joining us today and thank you for listening and don't forget to head over to the Northern Power Women live stream uh, tonight where you'll be able to watch the Northern Power Women Awards live the greatest and the largest awards celebrating gender equality in Europe and please do stay connected on everything around the We Are Power agenda on our award winning platform where you can find our podcasts insights and events and networking and get involved in our runway of events including our webinars and our fantastic power-ups. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, my name is Simone. You've been listening to the Northern Power Women podcast, a What Goes on Media production. Oh, yeah.